Well, good evening. It's good to be with you tonight. Good to be back in the greater Chicago area. Always a joy to come here. I see some friendly faces, some familiar faces that I've known from years gone by. And then every time I come, I see some new faces and folks that I've never met before. Uh, Most of you don't know me here. Uh, I work with a group called Help Ministries. It stands for Help Evangelize Lost People. We were founded in 1994, uh, founded in the Tampa, Florida area with the mindset of helping national pastors reach their people. Uh, interestingly enough, in 1994, I was in the United States Army. I was stationed in Germany, and I got saved and called to preach in 94. I knew God was going to use me for missions. I didn't know how. I availed myself for God's will for my life. I fulfilled my military obligation. Served as a youth pastor and pastor for just a few short years. And then in 2002, God called me to come with this ministry. And I've been serving in various capacities since 2002. My wife and I have been married. Uh, We have two children. Uh, Our son's the youngest. He's 25. Our daughter's 30. Our son spent four years in the Marine Corps. He's now out of the Corps. And our son-in-law, is he's an Army chaplain. And uh, he's stationed in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. We have three grandchildren and a fourth one on the way. And, you know, they took all the grandkids with them to Fort Sill. We thought they might leave one for us in North Carolina, but they didn't leave one. And then I have a beautiful wife, Susie. She's at home. She's back in North Carolina. She doesn't get to travel with me all that often. I wish that she could. But she told me, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to you tonight. I'm going to live stream here and listen to you. I've got one person on the planet that I'm their favorite preacher, and that's her. But it's a real privilege to be here. I've enjoyed my time thus far at the Bible College. I counted a great honor. And uh, just a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Turn with me in your Bibles. Genesis chapter number 50. Genesis chapter number 50. You know, I travel a lot of places and I meet a lot of handsome preachers, but none as handsome as Brother Julian here. Uh, I'm I'm telling you, maybe it's the haircut. I'm not sure what it is, but I think that's what it is. But boy, I mean, we we just hit it off the first time we met. And uh, uh, what a blessing. I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate the way you take care of me and the staff here. Uh, the folks at the Bible College. There's one little thing I might complain about, but I hate to complain when somebody gives you a free shirt, but I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, I received a nice, a very nice shirt, uh, you know, day spring shirt today, black, real sharp. I checked the label on it. It is sure enough, you know, XL. I mean, that's, that's the least I can go. And, uh, and it was an XL. I thought that's going to work wonderfully, but boy, this, it just seems small. And uh, I got over to the place and I put it on and I'm here to tell you, uh, it did not, it did not cover all the areas properly. (laughs) It was an XL. Okay. But it was a ladies XL. Uh, So I, I, I thought to myself, I probably shouldn't do this, but I'm going to, I'm going to take a picture just so brother Mark can see just how bad this looks. And I'm going to send it to him. I sent him the picture with one stipulation. This does not leave your phone. But he, so I, I, that's why I paid him the compliment that I just paid him. I'm in his debt. It's good to be in the Lord's house. I hope you found your place in Genesis 50. Let's look to the word of God together. Genesis 50 and verse number 15. The Bible says, and when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us. And will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph saying, Thy father did command before he died saying, 
so shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. For they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, he asked a question, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. We thank you now, Lord, for your word. We thank you for this text of Scripture. Lord, it's my prayer that this evening you'll use this to help us, to comfort, to bring healing. Lord, I know not the situation of any person here. I know not the situation of hearts and homes and lives and relationships. But I know that probably, more than likely, there are some folks that stand in need of what you're going to give us tonight. They stand in need of learning the lessons that Joseph will teach us. If we'll just look to it. Now, Father, I ask for your help. I pray, Lord, you'll use me tonight. It might be an encouragement to your people in this place. I'll be quick to praise you. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Joseph, as we know, was ill-treated by his brethren. Sold into slavery. Lied about, they really wanted to kill him. They would have killed him. One of the brothers talked him out of doing it. They decided we're going to put him in a pit. Well, well, let's not just put him in the pit. Let's at least get some money out of it. Let's sell him. And a band of Ishmaelites came by and they sold him. Well, what are we going to tell our father? Well, let's take his coat of many colors that they stripped off of him. Let's smear some blood on it. Let's take it back to our dad. And we won't say what happened, but we'll just present the coat to him and, and we'll allow him to suppose for himself what took place. And no doubt the father went exactly where they had hoped and where they expected. Certainly a wild beast has torn him in pieces and Joseph's gone and he's never going to be seen of his family again. But he's carried to Egypt. He's uh, in Potiphar's house. He's serving there. Even though he's in some tough situations, God's still with him. He's honored. Uh, people see the hand of the Lord upon his life, and he's entrusted. He's entrusted with power. He's entrusted with, uh, with things, and, and he's a great steward. We know the story of Potiphar's wife, and she makes advances, and he, he turns uh, her advances down, but she lies about him. He's cast into prison. He's there for a number of years in prison. He interprets some dreams for some guys while he's in prison, and he asks them to remember him. When they come out of prison, well, one of them, uh, one of them is restored, the butler, the baker. One is not, but uh, uh, he's forgotten. And there he is. Now, you know the story. You've probably read this story. His brothers come down. The famine's so bad in the land of Israel. They send the brothers. Joseph kind of works behind the scenes just a bit to make sure the whole family comes. The whole family comes to Israel or to Egypt. And man, uh, the Pharaoh loves the family. They give him the best choice of things and choice of the land. Uh, but then, but then the father dies. And now the brothers, realizing that the father has died, the brothers think that the real Joseph's going to come out. They have a fear that now that the father's dead, that Joseph's going to show his true colors. 
You know, it's so important to learn in life how to handle the hurts. My mother and my real father were only married for six months. My mom and dad got a divorce. My mom would meet another gentleman. She would get married to him when I was about five or six. At first, I called him Tony. I had never met my real father. Tony was the person that I knew was going to be raising me as a father. I never got birthday cards or never got any calls. I never heard from my real father. I was, gonna, I was about eight years old, and I was going to be adopted. And I remember I was, so, I, I was ready to be adopted and take on the cold name, uh, I was excited about it, but, but what I was most excited about was that my father, my real father, is going to come. He had to come to, the, to the, the adoption proceeding. He was going to come to the courthouse. And I was going to, for the first time, I was going to get to see him. And we went that day, and I was an eight-year-old kid, and he didn't show. He wasn't there. And I left that day and I went home and on one side I was excited about this new thing and this relationship. And of course Tony became my dad, wonderful father to me. But always in the back of my mind, I, I could never get out that, that, wow, there's a guy, there's a person, he's alive on this planet. I've never seen him, I've never spoken with him. I've never talked to him, I've never heard from him. And here was his chance and he didn't even come. Now, I'd be lying if I, if I were to tell you that that didn't bother an eight-year-old boy. I said to myself, I began to hold some bitterness. I said, if he, when I got 16, 17, 18, I said to myself, if he ever calls me now, I don't even want to talk to him. I'm not even going to listen. What could he say now that, and I said to myself, if he ever calls, well, Many years pass by, I'm probably 30. I've been married now, we've got children, married for a number of years, all the things that have happened in life, never heard from him. I get a call one night, and it was him. Now, I had said what I was going to do. Thank God I didn't do it. He said, I'd like to meet you. I said, okay. He said, I'd like to meet your family. I said, okay. And we drove. We were going to my wife's folks for Christmas. We stopped just a few days before Christmas. I met him for the first time. I met a grandmother. I met an uncle who looks just like us. <laughs> Lucky guy. And that was the only time we ever met. Because it was just a little while later, I heard that my real father had a massive heart attack, only in his 40s. And it took his life. And see, I, not knowing, but I had one chance. And thank God, I had learned to deal with with the hurt and the bitterness. 
Joseph is such a man who can teach us who we can learn how to deal with the hurts of life. All of us, if we're honest, we've had someone do something to us that wasn't right. We've had to forgive the wrong. We've, we've had to just let something go. I mean, genuinely hurt. But we have to decide what we're going to do with it. Gandhi said this. Now, you're, This is probably the one and only time that I'll quote Gandhi, but I'm going to quote him. He said, the weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is the attribute of the strong. Well, if Gandhi was right, and I I believe he was in this instance, then Joseph was strong. And I want to look to the word of God to see how he did it so that we like Joseph can, and, and more importantly, like Christ can be great forgivers. Two things that Joseph did that we need to do. His brother's Tell this story, share this story. And in verse 19, Joseph says unto them, he says, fear not. And he asked a question. And here's the question that he asked. Am I in the place of God? Number one, Joseph tells us this tonight. Let God be God. You know, there are things in life that are too big for you to carry. There are things in life that you just can't bear. The hurts, the failures of people, the mistreatment, the problems, the circumstances, the situations that didn't play out the way you wished it would have played out can absolutely cripple someone if they try to carry and bear those burdens for life. See, Joseph realized something. The Bible says, God said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. And, and, and that business is God's business. And Joseph said, fear not. Am I in the place of God? If anyone's going to pay you back, man, it's not going to be me. It's going to be God. That's his business, and I'm going to let him do it. You know, it's hard to do. We have, uh, I was telling you, I think we have three grandchildren. We've got another one on the way in March. We've got two boys right now and one girl. We've got another girl. We're going to have two and two. When our, uh, our middle grandchild was born, it was late at night. In fact, it was just after midnight, probably between... 1220 to 1230 in the morning. Well, we let the family know that we had the grandchild. We text out to the family and let them know. Well, I've got a, I've got a cousin. He's a state trooper. He's a state trooper. I don't want to say names and I want to say places because I want to protect the innocent and the guilty. So he goes to arrest a guy. And he, he goes to the place where he lives, and, uh, and well, this guy just didn't want to be arrested. And he knocks on the door and said, here, I'm, I'm here to take you to the station. And the, and the guy said, no, you know what, I just don't believe I want to go. And, uh, and uh, my nephew said, well, you, you don't, this, this is not, I'm not asking you. Uh, you know, you, you, you've got to go. You, you, you're going to go. And they said, well, you know, I, don't, I just don't think I want to. Uh, but, you know, you're, you're welcome to come in. 
Uh, and basically he just wanted to see, see how he'd stand up to a state trooper. And, uh, and of course, the, it's, it's force for force. So you can't pull a gun on somebody that doesn't have a gun. You can't, so you just gotta, if, if he has no weapon, then you have to, that's how you have to, you know, you have to do it. So now, now my, 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 uh, uh, my, my relative is a, he's a big fella. Uh, he's bigger than I am, in fact. And, uh, he said, you know, I, I kind of have this thing that's, that's worked a lot for me. So, okay, you invite me in. And, uh, he, this guy wasn't all that big. And he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to just as, as hard as I can, I'm going to bust him just right between the eyes and, uh, just, you know, just lay him out. And that's, and that's exactly what he did. And, but he hit the old boy and he went back a little bit like that, got a little smile on his face. And he's like, is that all you got? And he said, and we tore, it was a single wide trailer. We tore the trailer down from one end to the other. It was about 10 minutes uh, trying to get him apprehended, and he was going for the gun, the taser, and everything else he had. We tore doors off the hinges uh, on the house trailer, but he said, I got him. I got him in the car. Now, he's headed to the police station to book him. Now, during this time, my daughter has the baby. About the time he was wrestling <laughs> with that guy, she was wrestling with something else. The baby's delivered. We send a text out to the family, hey, Autumn had the baby. Well, the family, his mom and dad sends the text out to the boys. Uh, well, was, actually didn't send a text, was going to call. Well, his dad never calls in the week, in, in, you know, at 12 o'clock at night. So naturally he thinks something's wrong. Uh, but he's got a guy in the back, uh, that he's just fought for 10 minutes. So he just hits speaker on the phone thinking it's some kind of emergency. And, uh, hey, we just want to let you know that Autumn had the baby. Oh, and, uh, and it's a girl. Oh, that time the guy in the back's like, oh man, congratulations. What did you have? Was it a boy or a girl? He's like, don't congratulate me. Shut up, man. You just tried to kill me for the last 10 minutes. And now you're going to congratulate me. But he, he was already gone, man. He was already passed. You know, guys can get in a fight in a bar tonight. They'll be okay tomorrow. But let two Christians or two family members have problems and it can be for life if it's not dealt with. Vengeance is mine. There are some things that God, we have to give to him. When we want to exact revenge, when we want to do it ourselves, when we want to get the person back, they got me, I'll get them back. We're saying, hey God, can you slide off the throne for a little bit and let me sit there? Because you're just not handling this the way I think you ought to. Do you like it when God's patient and long-suffering with you? I do. I'm thankful that he is. You know, he's, he's patient and long-suffering not only with us, but with those that wrong us, those that hurt us. Nelson Mandela said, hating someone is drinking poison, poison and expecting the other person to die from it. Unforgiveness. Bitterness. It, it creates a, a, just a, an emotional storm of distress. It occupies mental space. You spend time thinking about the event. You spend time thinking about what happened. You spend time thinking about the person. Have you ever had someone that you didn't get along with and maybe you kind of had a little, a, you know, a little spat or whatever and then only to finish up the thing and get back home and then think of all the things that you could have said that was a whole lot better than what you said? 
I'm like, man, I could have just said this. I could have really got them. Maybe you've done that with your spouse. You get in fights and you're, 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 a, you're a black belt at verbal karate. Negative emotions come flooding back when you see the person. Sometimes it gets so bad that someone, does, they don't even want to see the person. They don't want to even, they don't even want to hear the name. The name comes up or they see the person. They want to go the other way. It just, it just brings up something bad. Why? Because it hasn't been dealt with. Bitterness, unforgiveness. You know the people that will hurt you the worst, that have the ability to hurt you the worst? The people that are closest. Family, co-workers, church members. I'm sure that's not the case up here. But a lot of churches I go to, there's a lot of people that aren't there anymore that used to be there. You know why they left? It wasn't doctrine. It, it wasn't doctrine. You know why they left? Because they got their feelings hurt. And they didn't know how to handle it. And they couldn't get past it. It will hinder you for life. There was a, a preacher years ago. And he and I just had a disagreement. We just disagreed on principle. We disagreed on philosophy. To the point that we just couldn't work together. Now, I thought the separation was fine. It was for, you know, the betterment of, of everything. And I thought everything was fine until one day I was pulling up to the post office. And I pulled up to the post office. And have you ever seen uh, somebody see you out in public, but they act like they don't see you? Like they clearly, they saw you. I saw you see me. I know you saw me. Why are you acting like you didn't see me? I mean, is there something wrong with me? I'm asking you guys. I mean, is there? Well, I usually let it go. I usually let it go. But sometimes, you know, you just can't let it go. Now, I'm not recommending that you do what I did. But on this particular day, this is what I did. I said to myself, I said, self, he saw me. Now, he's gonna, he was getting out of his car. He's getting, he opens the door. He puts one foot out. He sees me. Oh, all of a sudden, I forgot something in my car. And I'm going to sit in there and look at something that I don't even know what I'm looking at. There he, there he sits. So I said, well, I'm going to wait a minute. I'll let him find what he's got. No, no, that don't work. Okay. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to walk over there. I'm going to stand there. And... No, that didn't work. Well, I'm going to go knock on the window. That'll work. I knocked on the window. Ugh, looked up. Oh, no. Roll the window down. We're, we're preachers. We're Baptist preachers. We preach against this. And here we're going to act like little kids on a playground. And I stuck my hand in and I said, hey, how you doing? Nice to see you. It's been a while. Now, I wouldn't do that again, okay? That, that, that didn't really do any good that day. Now, you know what? You know what that tells me about that person? When he sees me, you know what happens? I just ruined his day. Now, I would have never known it if that event hadn't happened. Because he's not ruined one of my days. I'm not going to give him the keys to my happiness. Why would you give someone else the keys to your happiness and, and half the time they don't even know it? 
So unforgiveness. It takes up mental space. It dominates your thoughts. You know, Joseph was in prison because he was lied about, treated unfairly. But sometimes we put ourselves in a prison that we've built. Unforgiveness comes to affect your judgment and perspective because you, you look at the world, you view everything through a lens of hurt. You know, when we're bitter and unforgiving, uh, every time something happens, I mean, it, we, our mind goes to the worst possible place. We just think the worst. We become critical of everything and everybody because we're looking at it through a critical lens. And it robs us of our joy. But Joseph said, look, this is God's business. I'm going to let God be God. Don't worry. So he said, let God be God. You know, it even affects your character, your integrity, you hold grudges. Maybe you're here and your spouse has this problem. And if you could be honest with your spouse, you would say this, boy, I am just so tired of hearing you talk about it. Let's talk about something else. It's tough to move past. But life is so much better if we can. Joseph shows us how to do it, to let it go. Hebrews 12, 15, looking diligently, Diligently, excuse me, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Unforgiveness, bitterness, they're close cousins. I tend to think unforgiveness is dealing with people and uh, bitterness kind of more of circumstances. But if we're not careful, we have to understand something. Who controls the circumstances? God controls the circumstances. It's like really unforgiveness towards God that we call bitterness. I talk to so many people that are just really, if if they would be honest, they're upset at God because of the way things have worked out. And there's questions that can't be answered. There's questions in life that there's no good answer for. Joseph could have asked those questions. What's the problem? I mean, the disciples were speaking to the Lord and they're talking about forgiving. Uh, how, how often should we forgive our, our brother? Until seven times? But the Lord said, no, no, not seven. How, how about seven times 70? Oh, that's wonderful. 490. Hey, you're in 489 right now. You got one more chance and you're done. But that's not what it means, is it? So when the Lord told him this, you know what they said? They said, Lord, increase our faith. Wait a minute, what? Faith? I I, I didn't think that'd be a faith problem. I I think that'd be a heart problem. I'm not saying it's not a heart problem, but certainly it's definitely a faith problem. The disciples saw it as that. Why is it a faith problem? Because to forgive, you have to have enough faith in God to believe that if you let it go and turn it over to him, that he's going to do the right thing with it and trust that he's going to work it out. And the disciples said, you know, Lord, it's going to take a lot of faith for us to act this way. We're going to have to really trust you. And Joseph was that person that would trust. Not only did he say, let God be God, He said in verse 20, but as for you, you thought evil against me. 
I love this part, but God meant it unto good. Let God be God. Number two, let God be good. You know, he's not out to get you. He's not out to just wait for you to do something wrong so he can chastise you, so he can use the heavenly zapper or the heavenly buzzer. And there he is. He's just up there waiting for me to do the wrong thing so he can get me. No, no, no. He's up there waiting for you to do the wrong thing so he can get you. He's waiting for you to do the right thing so he can bless you. He's got an itchy trigger finger on that blessing. He loves to pull it. Now, Joseph doesn't excuse. He doesn't say, oh, it's okay. It's all right. I mean, last time I checked, it is not okay to sell your brother into slavery. It is not okay to want to kill him. It is not okay to lie to his father about him and to keep the secret for all these years. I mean, it is a Christian to treat people like that. So he doesn't say, oh, it's, it's okay. It wasn't okay. He called it what it was. He said, as for you, you thought evil against me. But God, he turned it around and he meant it for good. You know, no doubt the devil in my own life wanted to use that circumstance that I shared with you at the beginning to tear me down. But I found out later some things about my real father struggles that he had, problems that he had in life that I would have been brought up in had I known him. But God put me in a house, in a home with a dad that taught me, prepared me for life, taught me to tell the truth, taught me to work, taught me to be a man of character. My mother, what a wonderful mother. The devil wanted to destroy me. But God turned the table. Let God be God. Let God be good. God wants to do some wonderful things in your life. During the process prior to this, when Joseph's father is still alive, they send word back and they tell him what's going on. And, uh, and, he, and he, he hears this and he, and he makes this statement. He says, oh my goodness. Oh, he said, you're wanting to keep Benjamin. And, and now that one of the other sons was there and Joseph's not. And, uh, and he said this, he said, all these things are against me. He thought that all the things that were happening were against him. But really, no, no, that wasn't the case at all. Paul had a better vantage point when he said, we know that all things work together for good. No, they weren't all against you. They were all for you. God was working it out to preserve life. God was working behind the scenes, just, just checking here and checking there to make it work out for your good. And the very thing that the devil wants to destroy you with, God wants to build you up and he wants to encourage you through it. He wants to see you through it. He wants to make you better. And God used those things in Joseph's life to make him better. He let God be God. He let God be good. Now think about it. Think about it for a second. How's Joseph going to get into position that he finds himself in otherwise? Would he stroll down to Egypt and just say, hey, I'm Joseph. I just want to speak to Pharaoh. I've had these dreams. I had these dreams and I want to tell Pharaoh about them. So I can get in a position of authority. So I can do something when the time comes. Now, if he's never sold into slavery by his brothers and he doesn't go down to Egypt, 
And if he doesn't go down to Egypt, then he doesn't end up in Potiphar's house as Potiphar's servant. Now, if he doesn't end up as Potiphar's servant, he doesn't get falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. And if he doesn't get falsely accused by the wife, then he doesn't end up in prison. Now, if he doesn't end up in prison, he's not there when the butler and the baker have their dreams. Now, if he's not there when the butler and the baker have their dreams, when they have the dream, there's nobody to interpret the dream. So there's nobody to interpret that dream. Then later on down the road, when Pharaoh has a dream, there's nobody to say, oh yeah, I remember there's a guy that can interpret dreams. And if he's not still in the prison and he's back in, even back home, well, he's not there to, to, to bring, to interpret the dream. And so they bring him out. They, he shaves, he cleans himself up and he's told the dream and he's able to interpret the dream. Now, if he's not able to interpret the dream, nobody knows what the dream means and nobody knows what's going to happen. And here's what's going to happen. There's going to be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. But if no one knows what's going to happen, they're going to think the seven years of plenty is the way it's always going to be. And they're just going to use all this stuff, use all the stuff, use all the stuff. And then when the seven years of famine would have came, no one would have known about it and they wouldn't have been prepared and they wouldn't have put 20% back every year and they wouldn't have preserved life. And that's what Joseph said here. He said, uh, he said, you, you thought evil, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. So what would have happened when they didn't have food in Canaan if Joseph wouldn't have been in prison to interpret the dreams and he wouldn't have formulated the plan to save the food? See, God meant it for good. And every tough thing that happens in life, every time you've been treated the wrong way, God sees it. Give it to him. Let him be God. Let him work. Let him affect change. Let him affect change in you. Let him do something. He let God be God. He let God be good. And he let God do something great in his life. And all the while, he kept it. He kept the perspective. No, no doubt he had questions. No doubt he was in prison. And can you imagine those long days and wondering why? But only to get to the other side and be able to see that God was faithful. Now, here's what I'm wondering tonight. If there are some folks here and there's bitterness or unforgiveness in your life that hasn't been dealt with, that will rob you of joy. That will render you sometimes ineffective. That carries over into other parts of life. Causes you to be quick-tempered, short-fused. Causes you to look at life through a lens of, of, of hurt. Causes you to jump to conclusions that God never intended you, nor does he want you to jump to. See, we have to learn to handle the hurts. But in order to handle the hurts, there are some things that we just have to give to God. Some things that are too heavy for us to carry. I got those grandkids, and man, I love those guys to death. And they always want to help you. I'm poppy. 
And they always want to help. Poppy, I'll help you, Poppy. I carry, I fly into the airport out there. Poppy, I'll get your bag. But, but I said, that bag's too heavy for you. Let Poppy carry the bag. And there are some bags that are just too heavy. You got to let someone else carry them. Let God be God. Let God be good. When something happens, it's not God out to get you. He's on your side. He's for you. He wants to work a marvelous work in you. Look, if Joseph could withstand what he went through, could we not withstand what we're going through? With the Spirit of God and the complete written Word of God, there were days, no doubt, he was in that cell and he, 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 he would have had nothing. Now, God was with him. We knew that. We know that. The Word of God says that. Not in the sense that we have it. Let God be God. Let God be good. Let God do something great in your life.